And so as I prayed, we come back to the book of Acts, specifically verses 23 to 31 are our focus this morning. But back in Acts 4, verses 1 to 14, in a previous sermon, we saw that a big key to being bold in our witness for Jesus Christ is being filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit. We saw that that was true of Peter and John when they faced the opponents that we've been calling the heavyweights. If you look back with me to chapter 8 through 12, excuse me, verses 8 through 12 of chapter 4, I'm just going to read Acts 4, 8 through 12. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, there it is, said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means has he been made well? Let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. Verse 11, this is the stone which, the, which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone, nor is there salvation in any other For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And so we see that the prayer that Peter and John prayed for boldness included being in this posture, the position of being filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit. And that's the normal Christian life for you and me, to be filled and to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. That's the normative Christian life. Someone says to you, are you filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit? It ought not to be an odd question to you. It ought to be checking in on the status that should always be yours at any given moment, that you're filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit. So when it comes to boldness, the verses for today give us a second key to being bold for Christ. It's to pray for boldness. Do you pray for your own boldness? Do you pray for our church family as a whole to be bold for Christ? We should. The apostles did. Look at verses 29 to 31. See near the end of our uh, verses for today. 29 to 31. Now, Lord, this is a prayer. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Yes, boldness was a prayer that those apostles prayed. And it's a prayer that we ought to pray regularly for ourselves, that we, too, would be bold in living for Christ, bold in speaking for Christ. Boldness. These apostles prayed for it, and it was given to them by God. Maybe one of the reasons that I'm not as bold as I should be, and maybe one of the reasons that you may not be as bold as you should be, is we don't pray for boldness. We don't ask the Lord to make us bold. He delights in answering that prayer. May we ask him in prayer to make us bold. I want us to see two things before we look at the actual prayer. They're both in verse 31. The first thing I want you to see is the boldness which was given was linked to the Holy Spirit filling and controlling the bold believers. When God answered the prayer to give them boldness, 
He filled and controlled them by the Holy Spirit. That's what's going to make you and me bold as well. Back to verse 8, chapter 4. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, and then he delivered a sermon that was hard-hitting, right between the eyes, and fearless, because he was filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit. And so when we need boldness, we, which is always, we need to pray for it. And that will be attached, that will be connected with being filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit. The second thing I see in verse 31 is that boldness was specifically for the ministry of speaking the word of God. The boldness that God granted as they were filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit was a boldness that had to do with speaking the word of God. Verse 31 Chapter 4, again, and when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, watch it, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. And so as we pray for boldness, we should ask the Lord for boldness specifically to speak the word of God to others, be they our brothers and sisters in Christ, or be they outside of the faith, not yet Christians. Now, in the remainder of our sermon time, I want to focus on the apostles' prayer for boldness. I have five observations from their prayer for boldness that can be a template or a pattern for our praying for boldness in our own lives. And so, in the first place, my prayer for boldness observation one is that it starts with God. Their prayer started with God. Verse 24, so when they had heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God. They started their prayer for boldness with God. They started understanding, thinking about, recalling God as they prayed for boldness. You are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the word of your servant David have said, why do the nations rage and the people plot vain things? And so our prayer for boldness, like the apostles' prayer for boldness, has to start with God. Specifically, that prayer began with looking at God as the creator. That's a good place to start. Their prayer for boldness started with God, but also thank God that he was the revealer of Scripture, the word of God that they were going to boldly speak as Scripture revealed by God. And so when we pray for boldness, we don't start to pray for the person or the thing that's making us timid. We're going to get to that, but the prayer begins with God. Start your prayer for boldness with God, who he is, what you know that he's done, how he's answered prayer, etc. That's the first observation about their prayer for boldness. The second observation to do with their prayer for boldness is in the second half of verse 25 and verse 26. By the mouth of your servant David have said, Why do the nations rage and the people plot vain things? Verse 26. The kings of the earth took their stand, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. Well, they began with God. That was my first observation. The second observation is that their prayer identified who or what was making them to stand in the need of boldness. They named names. And the names that they named were names cited first in the book of Psalms, quoting the book of Psalms. They named basically the names of the angry nations around them 
who plotted and schemed against God. They named names as to who was causing them to be tempted to be timid. Therefore, they needed to pray for boldness. They called these angry nations, nations that come together to oppose Christ. You do realize that there at this time is a global, organized, and very intentional opposition to God and the word of God that is what it means to be in the world. We're told to be in the world, but not of the world. The world system that cheerfully leaves Jesus Christ out of everything has moved in its aggression against Christ to not be let's tolerate Christ in Christians, but let's do away with Christ in Christians in the public forum. Public schools, not here, thank God, but in America. And so what was once a global intentional opposition to God and the Bible that was more passive, more personal, has become aggressive, assertive, and more widespread, far more widespread than it used to be. And so that means that we need to pray for boldness. We are not walking into tomorrow not having opponents to Christ. We're going to meet opponents to Christ tomorrow. Some of them are organized, determined, to shut us up because they don't want to hear about Jesus Christ or his church or his word, the Bible. And so we stand in the need of praying for personal boldness, not just when we are in an episode of timidity, but all the time. In fact, what did Paul ask for prayer for near the end of the armor of God in Ephesians 6? Well, let me read it, 17 to 20, Ephesians 6, and take the helmet of salvation... And the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, capital S, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And now he's going to tell them how to pray for all the saints, including him. Verse 19. And for me, pray for me, that utterance may be given to me and that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am ambassador in chains, that I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. The Apostle Paul knew he needed prayers from others for boldness. He prayed for himself to have boldness, but he asked the Ephesian Christians in the Ephesian church to pray for his boldness, to be bold to utter the truths of the gospel, because he faced opposition all over the place, didn't he? Both from civilians and from royalty. He faced opposition to Christ, his Christ, and the message of the cross all over the place. So no, he prayed for his own boldness, but he asked the Ephesian church, you please pray for my boldness when it comes to the gospel preaching. So my first observation about their prayers, it started with God. The second thing is that identified those who made boldness necessary for them. And the third observation about this prayer they had for boldness is that it assumes that God is in control. That God is in control of all things, including those who make us need boldness. Verses 27 and 28 of our chapter 4. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Did you catch that? The prayer, the theology of this prayer for boldness included the acknowledgement that God is in control 
of everything. And he does whatever he pleases through every circumstance of our lives. It said that your hand, verse 28, and your purpose were determined before they were done. That's a sovereign God that has saved us from sin, and that is our sovereign God who sanctifies us through life. He is in control of all things. And prayers for boldness must assume that that is true. And so everything that comes into our life that might intimidate us, aggravate us, cause us to be afraid, even those things are servants of God to accomplish the refining work of the Holy Spirit and our sanctification to be more like Jesus Christ. That is a big faith in a bigger God. The psalmist David also knew about this divine control of all things because he wrote in Psalm 119, verse 85, or excuse me, where are you? Let's look it up. Psalm 119, 89. Let's go there. Psalm 119, 89. 89 through 91. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You establish the earth and it abides. They continue to this day according to your ordinances. And watch this. For all are your servants. Wait a second. Does that mean my illness? Yes. Does that mean my Family dispute, yes, it's a servant of God's to accomplish what God wants to accomplish in your life. The most difficult thing that you could think of is included when the psalmist concludes, for all are your servants. That changes how we view life and death. When we understand that all things Every single thing are servants of God to accomplish God's perfect purpose in our lives. It gets God to be big enough in our minds and our circumstances and ourselves to be small enough in our minds. And so the apostles' prayer for boldness, it assumed that God was in control, and he is. It assumed that God was in control of all things, and he was, and he still is. Now consider quickly with me some biblical examples of this. Bible personalities that we know encountered hard things, difficult things, inexplicable things. David, how did he learn to pray? By being bold while having vicious enemies chasing him. Or Peter and John here in this passage or the other apostles in other passages of the New Testament. How did the gospel spread so fast? Because those apostles were bold when they were persecuted and having to move on to preach Christ some other city. They didn't stop. Just because they had a rough time in city A didn't mean they wouldn't go to city B and preach the same Christ. How did Job figure out the majesty and the power and the wonders of his God. Well, it was by being bold enough to reject the bad advice of his wife and the bad advice of his three friends. You get the point. All things, 
be they good or be they bad in our assessment, are God's servants. Even the things and even the persons that make us need boldness, even those things and those people, those people are servants of God. And so the proper prayers for boldness assume that God is in full control and the persons or things which make us timid or silent or intimidated are included. Those things and those people continue to be servants of God to do God's bidding in us. So observation number four I see in verses 29 and 30 about this prayer of boldness. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. There it is, speak your word. By stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And so a proper prayer for boldness, observation number four, is that it wants the declaration of God's word to be a main outcome. A person who's properly praying to be bold wants as the outcome of becoming bold in answer to prayer it that it would be for the declaration of God's word. Verse 29 again. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. Shy about sharing Bible truth with someone? reticent to quote a scripture verse that comes to your mind when you're talking to someone about a situation, ask for boldness so that you can speak the word of God. And so the proper prayer for boldness wants the declaration of God's word to be one of the main outcomes. So the prayer doesn't, the prayer, the prayer that they prayed for boldness wasn't a prayer to fight their opponents. And their prayer for boldness wasn't a prayer to defend themselves. And their prayer for boldness wasn't a prayer to escape the confrontation. No, the prayer for boldness that we are to copy was to speak boldly about Jesus Christ. We can and should pray for boldness. I need it. I would venture to say that you all need it too, boldness. So let's pray for it. Let's put that on our daily prayer list, that we would pray for boldness. Verse 31 reports that God heard and answered this prayer for boldness. Verse 31, again, and when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, by the way, because the Holy Spirit fills us for one reason. One of the reasons he fills us is to make us bold with the word of God. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Isn't that great? The place where they were praying was shaken. I've, I've never been in an earthquake. Maybe you haven't either. Maybe some of you have been in an earthquake. But when an earthquake comes of a certain strength, you can feel the shaking of the sky-rise building your office is in, or on the ground under your feet in your yard. The place where they were assembled to pray for boldness was shaken. Shaken with the presence of God. And they were filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit. And the result of being filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit is they spoke the word of God with boldness. They weren't fearful. That is so great. 
And so my last observation about the apostles' prayer for boldness, number five, is that God's boldness is wrapped up in Holy Spirit control. I've been making that point in this message. Being filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit and having boldness to speak the word of God go hand in hand. They're Siamese twins. They go together like peanut butter and jelly. Be filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit, among other things, means to be bold in declaring the Bible. Verse 31, second half. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Now quickly, as we conclude, being filled with the Holy Spirit, I've taught you before, is being controlled by the Holy Spirit. It's not getting more of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit getting more of us to control. I've said it's not getting more gas in your tank of your life. It's getting a new driver behind the wheel of your life. To be filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit is a matter of being having the car of your life driven by the Holy Spirit every single moment. What you say and what you don't say. What you do and what you don't do. What you think and what you don't think. The person, the normal Christian life of the healthy Christian life is to be filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit constantly. Constantly. And so when they were filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit, they were very bold. Look at verse 31 again. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. And then going back to verse 8, chapter 4, verse 8 again, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, same thing, said to them, and he preached a very stinging, truthful, condemning sermon with boldness. Now, when you look at that sermon... I can imagine that the Sanhedrin, who he preached it to, the Supreme Court of Israel, all those very heavyweight political people and religious guys, I imagine nobody so plainly and boldly rebuked them as Peter did when he preached with boldness, filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit. And in that sermon, they couldn't miss the fact he was talking to them because when he cited them by name at the beginning of the sermon, he used the pronoun you three times. You, you, you. They couldn't have missed it. He was filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit. He was bold in a way probably they'd never seen anyone else be bold to them because they had so much weight and clout in how the average Jew's life would go if he, if he bucked the Sanhedrin. And so if you go back to verses 13 and 14 in that sermon, or the result of that sermon after they saw they had been with Jesus, the result, 13 and 14, chapter 4, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. I love that. These guys have hung around with Jesus. That's the only explanation for their boldness. 14, and seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against us. These guys who love to talk, who love to put others down, control others by their words, they 
their mouths were zipped up by the manifest power of Jesus Christ and the boldness of Jesus Christ's men. Let's pray for boldness. We all need it. We're not home yet. We live on enemy territory. Satan is on a tether or a leash. He can only do so much. The book of Job teaches us that. But he is able to do bad stuff. So we're not home yet. So because we're not home yet and we have an opponent named Satan who's on a leash and doing what he can up to the end of the leash, we have to pray for boldness. Because who will tell the co-worker where you work who needs Christ and is vocal against Jesus, who's going to tell that person except you? Who's going to tell your child who's wandered away from Jesus Christ that he is the truth, the way, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through him? Who is going to tell your prodigal child that if it's not you? We need boldness to speak the word of God and to review five things that they prayed that should set a pace for our prayers for boldness. You ready? Start with God, who he is, what he's done, what he's like. Your prayer should then identify those who make your boldness necessary. Sally, Billy, Johnny, whoever they are, name names to God. Three, assume that the Lord is in control of everything, including what or who makes you need boldness. Number four in your prayer, plan to use the boldness which God will give you to speak the gospel to the lost and the scriptures to your brothers and sisters in Christ. And last, in your prayer for boldness, ask the Holy Spirit to fill and control you. He will always answer that prayer. You may have put the Holy Spirit in the passenger seat of your car and not given him the steering wheel. If you ask him to fill and control, you'll slide into the driver's seat every time. You may have gone further and put the Holy Spirit in the back seat of your car. He'll move into the steering wheel position, the driver's seat, if you ask him to fill and control you. Or you may have put the Holy Spirit in the trunk of your car. But when you ask him to fill you and control you, he will get out, as it were, of the trunk of your car and assume the steering wheel of your car every time. Did you notice I always had the Holy Spirit inside your car? You and I can do nothing to drive the Holy Spirit out of our lives. He's permanently indwelt us since we're converted. But we can relegate him to the passenger seat, the back seat, or the trunk. But we ought not to. Certainly if we don't want to be, certainly if we don't want to be timid, we ought not to. If we want to be bold, he must be filling and controlling us at the driver's seat of our lives. I know that you'll want to do that. Lord, thank you so much for this prayer that helps us to understand boldness. The fact that we truly need it, the fact that you grant it for the purposes of acknowledging your control of all things and speaking your word to others. Oh, Lord, may we pray for boldness, and together with that prayer, may we be filled and may we be controlled by the Holy Spirit. For we do ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.